Well, as you know, Gail and I, John and Jordan, took an ordinary vacation <laughs> to uh, southern Arizona <clears throat> and a Winnebago. Now, until this trip, I did not believe in a personal hell. <laughs> <laughs> But I can tell you, we've got it all wrong. It's, it's not located in one place. It's driving all over the place <laughs> on highways across this country. <laughs> um, no, I'm not, centering, I'm not uh, singling out Winnebago's. I, I think, as a matter of fact, there's an RV parked in our very own parking lot. Uh, south. Uh, south Wind. So certainly we're not speaking about South Winds. We're speaking about all the other RVs. <laughs> And we really did wonder why Manny wouldn't lend us his Winnebago for this trip. Now, some of you may not have attended uh, Dispensable Church long enough to know who Manny is. Manny is the proprietor and uh, he guinea, as they say in, in Texas, <laughs> of Manny's Ministerial School, uh, where... Uh, I got my credentials. <laughs> it's located in New Claude, Texas, which is just outside of Claude, Texas. <laughs> um, and uh, so we, about halfway through the trip, called Manny to discuss the situation. He said, well, he said, uh, actually, my Winnebago is set in concrete. Because <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, we had explained to him that this was not as it had appeared. It was not the delightful fantasy that we thought it would be. Because uh, the refrigerator door kept opening and the, and the uh, cadmus kept opening and things kept spilling out and and uh, we had to fill it up. Uh, this now you understand. This is any RV. We're not we're not courting a suit with the Winnebago Company. <laughs> so happens that we were just driving a what's called a mini Winnie. <laughs> and uh, you have to fill it up twice a, a day. It costs thirty dollars to fill up <laughs> a mini. I don't know what those big things cost. <laughs> uh, he said, oh, no, he said, I, you know, I set mine in concrete many, many years ago. Uh, he said, however, uh, I still uh, plug it in every night, empty the sewerage, fill it up with water, uh, check all the valves, turn all the switches, and, because he said that's, of course, what you spend most of your time doing <laughs> on a vacation <laughs> if you're in an RV. So he said, this way I have every, the essence of a vacation and yet I have a permanent uh, place to live. As a matter of fact, Manny, I haven't told you this. I've told you about the uh, hamburger heaven, and I've told you about the therapeutic uh, massage parlor, but I have not told you that Manny also runs a retirement home for RVs and chickens. <laughs> now... <laughs> The reason that he has the chickens in there is that the, his IRS got out on him. They said, they said something has to be alive in, a <laughs> in order for it to retire. And there's a real philosophical question as to whether or not an RV is alive, <laughs> since it seems to assault you every minute of the day. Um, but uh, anyway, there comes that moment in a chicken's life in which... <laughs> which it is no longer producing as other egos think it ought to produce. So what do you do with it? And Manny has solved that question in New Claw. <laughs> uh, some people feed uh, pigeons. Manny feeds very old chickens. <laughs> um, so as we were... Now, on the other hand, there is southern Arizona, which... Do you have a picture of Southern Arizona? Arizona, the arid zone. And now you get Southern Arizona. Well, I'd heard rumors about it being hilly and very mountainous and 
green and cool. And of course this is not, I knew this wasn't true. People, it's true. It's, it's, it's very just lovely, uh, that whole end of the state. Uh, and it's completely uninhabited. I, because uh, no one believes it, you know. <laughs> Southern Arizona, you know. Um, we uh, called uh, one of our parents, sets of parents, in the course of the vacation, and we said that we were in Patagonia in southern Arizona. She says, it sounds like a disease, <laughs> Patagonia. I guess that's what most people think. But uh, there's lots of time to think and meditate and so forth. And so I thought what we might do this morning is just talk a little bit more about dare to be ordinary since we <laughs> spent <laughs> since we've spent uh, almost the last two weeks doing just that very thing. Um, now, when a concept such as this is presented, ordinariness, as I said Sunday before last, because see, we were gone last Sunday, um, it's ripe for misinterpretation. Anytime that you say anything about how to behave or give any little hints as to how life might go a little more smoothly, the ego loves to pounce on this, misunderstand it, write it into rules and everything else, and try to live its life by the, uh, the guideline or the suggestion and so forth. And so whenever... Uh, I say anything about uh, anything that has to do with behavior. Don't listen too closely. Don't read too much into it. See if it helps. If it does, fine. If it doesn't, then uh, you just gently dis discard the concept. And it's possible that the word ordinary from the uh, the many, many misunderstandings of that word uh, that I got after the uh, talk last time uh, is not the best of words. However, I like it. <laughs> uh, and it, 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 and I, I assume that because it's a helpful word for Gail and me, it would be a helpful word for at least uh, some people. The Course speaks a great deal about specialness. So on one side, there is the desire to be special in the world. Now, many of you have been uh, attending the dispensable church for some time. You've been working very hard. Your feet are now quite firmly planted on the path home, and yet you are having extraordinary difficulty. I know from experience. I, this is this is not. I'm not second guessing this. Why do we have so much trouble when the path itself is so exceedingly simple? It's because we are attempting to carry on this juggling match. As I have said many times, the number one hindrance to your spiritual progress, the thing that makes your spiritual progress most difficult is the belief that there is a reward in the world for your efforts, for your spiritual efforts. This is a very difficult belief to shake. There is no evidence of truth in the world. And but we don't quite believe that. We think that things should work better for us. We should get some reward. We should be singled out. Things should go our way. At least our finances should be affected or something. And, of course, it doesn't work that way. It works that way every once in a while. Just enough. It's like those slot machines, you know, have you ever played the slot machines? And, no, of course, none of you have. I see these big 
eyes widened in bewilderment. A slot machine is one of these gambling things you had to st- you pull it down a little. I know you, of course, really, I, you don't. It's all right. No, you don't understand this. But those very few of you in the back row, ones that sneak in late, you know that you pull the little handle. I mean, the, the only reason I know is Manny told us about this. He was, <laughs> he was talking about his distant past. And just a little bit of money comes out frequently. Not as much as you've put in. <laughs> just a little bit, you see. And the world is so crazy that every once in a while things go your way. <laughs> and by gosh, you meditated that morning, and so that must be the reason. And you must discount the 63 times you meditated and it didn't go your way. So it is confusing, and we really do believe that there's a way to take truth and make the world go our way to get the job we want, the apartment we want, the car we want, the spouse we want, and on and on and on and on and on. Now, another part of that confusion is, as you draw closer to God, as you fill your heart with peace, then things do go more smoothly. They don't necessarily go your way in an ego sense, but things begin to smooth out. So, your financial situation does become more peaceful, although not necessarily more spectacular. And your relationships tend to become more peaceful. This doesn't mean, though, that you will not be betrayed. Let's just look at at the end of Jesus' life. Just look at the series of things that happened to him. Where was the reward in the world? You see, there was no reward. But we think there is, and so we go back and forth, back and forth. There's got to be a way to make it work. Certainly it has value. And so we seek the thing that we think has value. And and certainly there's lots of people saying it will work. There's ways to make it work. And so we try And then what do we do? Anytime you turn back to the world, no matter what the reason, even if it's in the name of truth, you stop walking toward God. You stop seeking peace. And therefore, you don't have it in your life. And that's why the road is so rocky. There is really only one solution to this. And it's not magical, and it doesn't happen overnight. And that is you continue practicing a single purpose every day, over and over and over, until you mean it. (laughs) Until you're actually meaning what you're saying in your meditations. You're actually taking in what you're reading in your sacred books and so forth. And your reward becomes the peace itself. That is what in giving we receive and not from giving. It has nothing to do with the effect of giving. But in giving, you begin to see the new world, the real world. And what is the real world? It's not this world made ideal so that tires never wear out, there are no fumes from cars, no noises that uh, make anyone upset, dishwashers work forever and forever and forever, no one dies, not even Manny's chickens. It isn't that. Wasn't that. Isn't that insane? I mean, would you even want a world like that? Well... <laughs> We really do think we want these things. This is why if you'll just stop every time you've heard your ego say you want something in the world, you'll just stop and look at it. You will see how crazy it is. Just say, is this really what I want? And look at it. Don't be afraid of that question. 
Now, what does the concept of ordinariness have to do with all this? The world is a distraction, and it's nothing else but that. It is purely a distraction. So what you wish to do is to make it less a distraction for you because God has touched your heart and you now know what it feels like to fall back into his arms. At least a little bit you know. There has been a moment when tears have come to your eyes and you felt how loved you are. There's been at least a moment in which you saw other people as holy and completely innocent. And you were so happy, so happy, happier than Miller time. Now, to have all these distractions makes it difficult for us to turn to God. And the primary distraction that we make for ourselves is specialness, trying to be special in some way. Now, the ego takes that concept and says, therefore, because it thinks it knows what specialness means. Your ego does not know what the word special means. You must understand this. You must figure this out for yourself. Do not assume that you understand what the word special means. The ego has its own definition of specialness. And so when... Someone says, dare to be ordinary. The ego thinks it knows what this means. You should therefore go out and buy a car that's cheaply made and is going to fall apart. Well, that's ridiculous. Is that less a distraction? So to the ego, it's either buy a car that everybody's going to stare at and thereby make the world more real for you or buy a car that doesn't work. And what you want to do is you want to make your car invisible. You want to make your car no distraction at all. Ego takes the concept, concept of money and does the same thing. It says your only two alternatives is are. Two are, yes. <laughs> to either have so much money that people are after you, people are angry at you because you have so much more money. You don't know what to do with it. Are you properly investing it? Should you invest in this worthy cause or that worthy, worthy cause? Having a great deal of money doesn't have to cause that kind of distraction, but look how often it in fact does. To have enormous wealth simply makes it more difficult for you to live in the world. This does not mean you should go out and go to the other extreme, which is give away all your money. Because the ego thinks the, the, the choice is between enormous wealth or scrounging and groveling and begging and so forth. Poverty is just as arrogant as wealth. To maintain a style of life in which you are consistently poor is arrogant and it causes tremendous problems. The poor are just as arrogant as the rich. Now, I'm not talking about a certain income level. I'm talking about the attitude of poverty. Because how many people have almost nothing, and yet no one would call them poor? Peace Pilgrim, for example, had what? A toothbrush and some stamps, and the thing that she wore. Anything else? A, a ballpoint pen. No one called Peace Pilgrim poor. She was rich. She had made possessions and money invisible. No distraction at all. And that was her way of doing it. For most people, that would not make it less a distraction. It would make it more a distraction. 
but it was her way. And so, of course, we can see why many holy people get down to just a few possessions. Because for them, they find this less a distraction. You simply must find how to make money invisible. Money is not important. Do whatever allows you to not think of it. Your car is not important. Do whatever allows you to not think of it. Your house is not important. Do whatever allows you to not think of it. And a house that everyone envies is going to be a distraction to you. And a house that is so awful that it's cold and it's ugly to your ego eyes and so forth is a distraction. Your body is not important. Do whatever allows you to not think of it. The ego thinks you either must have super health or you must do like I did, which was gain 50 pounds and stop exercising and so forth. I fell for that because I was pursuing super health and then I said, oh, I, this is ridiculous. And it was, it was insane. And so I went to the other extreme. It was just as much a distraction, just as much. What you want is for your body to be no distraction. And so how much exercise do you get? Enough that you don't think about your body. What foods do you eat? The foods that will allow you not to think about your body. If you are eating some food that makes you think more about your body, which do you want? That food or do you want to walk home? It's a simple choice. It is a real choice. And so there is no list of foods to eliminate. You simply look at the foods that distract you. The clothes that distract you. But specialness is a distraction. And that's why you want to look carefully at it before you pursue it. Everyone in this room is pursuing one or more forms of specialness. As long as we pursue a form of specialness, we remain in the world. The minute you no longer want any form of specialness, you are free to leave the world and help everybody all the time. Now you can't leap from one position to the other. You must walk gently, a little step at a time. But look at specialness. Gail and I noticed just in, uh, well, we noticed just in driving in through towns. I have never been, I've, we've, we've talked in this church about peaceful places and unpeaceful places, and there's no list, of course. Paradise, Arizona, is a very peaceful place, but it would not, not be a peaceful place for our family because we have a juniper allergy in our family. I won't single out the person who has it, <laughs> but a member of our family has a juniper allergy. Now, Paradise has got the biggest, most wonderful junipers you've ever seen. They're just, I've never seen such big junipers in my life. But it's a very peaceful place, but it wouldn't be a peaceful place for us. But in going from town to town, it was very interesting that exactly the same thing that applied. If a town was special, it tended not to be a peaceful place. If it had a special history that it was caught up in, it tended not to be a very peaceful place. If it had special wealth, it tended not to be a peaceful place. If it was in the transition of trying to make itself into a special place by building a special civic center that would transform it into a special place, it was already an unpeaceful place. If it was very poor, very poverty-stricken, it was not a peaceful place. Remember, there is no difference. It makes no difference what form the specialness takes. If it was especially polluted, or if it was absolutely fanatical about all that stuff, it tended not to be a peaceful place. And then there were these 
other ordinary towns, just ordinary towns. And we'd walk in stores and we'd talk to people and so forth. And it was just absolutely amazing. Now, it was amazing not because the ordinariness produces peace, but because it allows it. And if you will simply allow peace in your life, it will come to you. If you will simply not keep God out, you will know that God is with you and always been, been with you and that you are one with God and that you're not even where you think you are. Just as you weren't last night when you are dreaming. And so that's why we speak about concepts such as this. Now, another form the specialness takes, and this is one that is particularly tempting to people on a spiritual path, and that is self-importance. Do not think that you will escape this easily. The feeling of being self-important. It is exactly the same as the feeling of being defensive. If you, to the degree that you feel defensive, you feel self-important, small s. It was interesting, one of the forms of this that I hadn't, I had noticed it, but I hadn't realized what was going on there, is when you're uh, driving down the highway and you start to pass someone, of course, maybe it's, it's uh, I'm being passed by a Winnebago. Uh, but actually, it's, this is fairly common. Have you noticed that lots of people speed up as you try to pass them? Self-importance. Nobody's going to pass me. And, uh, and they try to pretend that they're not speeding up. <laughs> just a little acceleration. Little, little, you know. They're just looking around. They don't see anything. Uh, they don't. Uh, this is why you do not see Winnebago's on drag strips. It is difficult. <laughs> it's truly difficult to get around someone if they are just speeding up a little bit. You know. <laughs> but uh, once again, this applies to all RVs. We're not <laughs> singling. This happens to be the one we we drove in. But any time that you think that your body has to be honored. You are feeling self-important and you are seeking specialness and you are creating a distraction and you are certainly not walking home. And you are certainly missing an opportunity to walk home at that very instant. So how many times have we gone into a store and thought that they ought to cash our check by just looking in our lovely open face and seeing the honesty that beams there. And of course, there are stores that do just cast your checks. And then there's ones that want more and more evidence, you know, if you can back this up. And we feel offended. We feel slighted. We feel self-important. Or we do it with our opinions. Why is it that we're so quick to give our opinion on everything? Why must everyone respect our opinion when we obviously don't? Because we change it every 10 days. And yet, while we are in the midst of a new opinion, everyone must respect it, and we're going to go out and convert everyone to this way of eating or this way of curing a cold or this way of leaving your body or this way of whatever it may be. Self-importance. Specialness. When you realize that your body is not special, when your name is not special, when your little soap opera is not special, your car is not special, your house is not special, that nothing about you is special because you are one with God, then the evidence for that lovely truth will just pour all over you. But as long as you make your body special and your opinion special, and where you sit special, and someone's sitting in your place, this is where you always sit, 
then you make your way very difficult in your continuing juggling act, back and forth between truth and the world. Here's another way this same thing shows up. How many times have you heard someone say, I just don't understand why he doesn't do so-and-so. I just don't understand why they don't live so-and-so. I, don't, I just don't understand why they don't do this to their house. I don't understand why he just doesn't do that with his money and so forth. So we just don't understand why so-and-so doesn't get his or her teeth capped because they've now got this little stain on them that somehow seems to come out in people's teeth late in life, you see. Well, why, why don't they just get their teeth capped, you see? Why don't this person would make so much money if they just invest in tax shelters, you see? Why doesn't so-and-so just lose a little weight, you see? Why don't, why don't you get the last cent for your car when, you, when you're trading it in? Why don't you make the... I remember I went to uh, Mexico with a friend of mine when I was about... 16, 17, and uh, we just traveled all over Mexico, and I was into bargaining, and I remember going through this sort of great big building where there were lots of people selling all kinds of things, and somehow my purpose at that age was to get the best deal. I wasn't paying any attention to the stuff I was buying. I mean, I realized later, I thought that was important. And I remember there was one rug in particular that caught my eye. And I got the guy to come down and down and down and down. And finally he sold it to me for I forget what it was. And he was furious. And I couldn't, I went away, I remember going away being perplexed. Why was this man so mad at me? Do you see? And he said a lot of things about Americans because evidently he had had this happen to him before, this kind of thing. Why do we have to get the best deal? Why do you have to do anything the way the world says you have to do it? Now, you may... It, why does Hugh cut his own hair? Hugh, I mean, it's obvious that if I went to a barber, I, we'd have a better... We'd have a more presentable minister up here. <laughs> Hugh has been cutting his own hair for the last 15 years because it is more peaceful for him to cut his own hair than to <laughs> go through the terrors of uh, sitting there wondering if, I don't know, it's silly. There's no real reason. I can't, I can't really justify it. I just find that it's easier if I do it myself and it's less peaceful, takes less time and so forth. Certainly I would look better if I didn't do that, you see. So don't be afraid to look at your life. See the way it's usually done, and don't try to do it some other way just to be different or special. But realize you don't have to be beautiful in every respect. You don't have to be wealthy or get the best, best deal in every respect. You don't have to do anything in this world. You need do nothing in this world. All you want all you long for is to feel God's blessing. To feel Jesus' arm around you. Now, we're in sort of a transitional period right now. We only have three more months together. We only have three more months together in the sense that Gail and I will still be participating because our participation will end three years from the time we started the church, which will be Thanksgiving Day, November, whatever that is. What is it? 27th? 22nd. 22nd. Um, So people are beginning to sense this. This old feeling of betrayal is 
coming in, a feeling of desertion, a feeling of disintegration. This church has given many people, including Gail and me, the deacons, an opportunity, an opportunity to end this seemingly endless dream of disaster. Because we have come together as a group and we, with our hearts, have looked for the simple way home without any accoutrements, without any side benefits whatsoever. And so we have tried, Gail and I and the deacons have tried to make this the simplest possible church that we could by making it all volunteer so there wouldn't be any question about our motives. We don't not receive money to be virtuous, but just so there's no question about our motives. And it so happened that Gail and I were in a position to do that because our income comes from the books that we write. And so we were in a position to do that. There's nothing wrong with the salary, nothing wrong at all. But since we were in a position to do that, we did that. We decided that this church would promote nothing, sponsor nothing, take no stand in the community. We decided that this church would have the happiest possible place for children that we could have. And so we got the best Sunday school teachers that we could find to have a happy place. But we told them, teach the kids nothing. Don't teach them anything. Just allow them to be happy and free and have a good time. And so, of course, it was from the very beginning a dispensable church. Just a short little journey. But that doesn't mean, of course, that the church itself will necessarily end. I don't know yet whether it will. Possibly the dispensable church will continue. Maybe there will be... Uh, some other people that will continue it. I don't know the answer to that, and I will tell you as soon as I do. But our participation uh, ends at that time. But you must understand that a bond has been formed now between us. There is a family here, and we have seen many of the members. There is no limit to this family. But we can certainly take the family that we, that we do see and that we do feel. Separation and abandonment is a total impossibility, just as Jesus proved once and for all. It's just not possible. There is no separation. There is no abandonment. There is no betrayal. Not even through death. And so we will continue to be together. <coughs> Now, what I would like for us to do above all else is to not miss this opportunity. We have at least these three more months together, and then possibly the family will continue with just that very slight change. Possibly will change in other ways. But remember, there is no evidence for truth in the world. There's no evidence for truth in the world. It's the bond. It's not who shows up here each Sunday. It's the bond. It's the hand-in-hand -hand walking toward God that we've begun to experience. Now, my friends, I've told you that I cannot lead you to God because I am obviously in the world. All that I can do is lead you to the truth in the world. That's the most that I can do. The form of that truth, I have told you, that is my particular function to point out, is a course in miracles. But you will notice that there has been no great stress on people doing the course or buying the course. I don't think we have ever once suggested that people buy the course. Certainly we don't ask who who's reading it, or there's no checkup on lessons, or so forth. And that is because the course itself says, forget this course. 
and walk toward God with holy, empty hands. And that's all we've attempted to say here in this church. Forget the world. Don't turn against it. Don't hate it. Don't denounce it. Forget it. See it as innocent. This is a divine forgetting. Forget your idols that you were taught as a child, your particular idols. Forget your self-importance. Forget your particular need to be special. And know yourself at one with your Father, at one with God. I am the Father, and I am the Son. I am all, and I am one. That truth is everything you want. So do not miss this opportunity, my friends. Don't miss this opportunity. Yes, it is difficult. It is very difficult at this stage to walk home. Not because the path is difficult, because of this juggling match, this going back and forth, this saying, oh no, surely this has value, surely that has value. I'll just turn away from God just for a second. I will choose to be right instead of happy, just in this argument, this one argument. Because I'm obviously right, I can pull it off in this one. (laughs) So of course we're making mistakes, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mistakes. But don't miss the opportunity that those of you who have been coming to the dispensable church have. It's not the only opportunity. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of opportunity, opportunities, but this is a good one. And it's yours, and you have it. And now many of you know how to walk home. You just put peace before everything else. Peace and gentleness and kindness and happiness. You just put God before everything else. And you do it over and over and over again. And no matter how many times you fail, how many mistakes you make, you begin again quickly. And you say, no, peace is the only thing I want. The peace of God. Not world tranquility or something. Gentleness. So we don't try to reestablish, reinstate some feeling that we had five minutes ago. There's no attempt to reinstate a feeling or an emotion. Forget the emotion. Forget what your ego says was the peace of God that you had and you've now lost it. It's sufficient to know that you've lost it. And you say, I will start over. How? How will you do it? How will you do it? There's no fancy way to do it. There's no right way to do it. There are a thousand ways to do it. Pick some gentle way that appeals to you at the moment and begin again. Any way. Say a few words. Now, I've I've stressed to you uh, one particular little technique just recently. And there have been many techniques that have been stressed. This is just something that's helpful to me. Carry this little pad and I've been telling you about how I use it. Suggested ways that you might do it. Now, the way I'm currently using it, but people, this is, this is after quite a long time of writing down thoughts and watching my thoughts until I now know absolutely I do not want to think with my ego mind. I don't want to think one single thought with my ego mind. And I see that clearly. And so there isn't any, I don't need to watch particular thoughts quite as much as I used to because I don't want any of them. It's not as if some are okay and some aren't okay. I realize that they're all a distraction, so I don't want them. But that's not a... You can't just adopt that philosophical concept. You've got to do a little work and see what you're doing with your mind. You've got to know exactly what you're doing with your mind and what effect it has on you. And this takes a little work. Here's a quote from the Course. The habit of engaging with God and his creations is easily made if you actively refuse to let your mind slip away. The habit 
of engaging with God and his creations is easily made if you actively refuse to let your mind slip away. There is nothing to do except discipline your mind. Now, this is, there's tremendous resistance to this. And don't kid yourself, there's a part of you that does not want to do this, that thinks there is a quick way around this. There is no way around this. There are many shortcuts, but there is no shortcut to disciplining your mind. You will not get there unless you begin looking at your mind and very gently turn it from an enemy into a friend. So it doesn't always assault you and hurt you and make you sick and make you angry and make you this and make you that, make you depressed and make you sad. All of this is happening with your mind. And once your mind begins to become orderly, then the anger and the depression and the sadness and even a little of the sickness begins to slip away. And so, the way I'm using this little thing now is I have a little mantra and I make a mark every time I remember to say it. I like that emphasis rather than every time I forget to say it. So when I have remembered to say it, I make a little mark. There are many, many, many marks in that book because I do forget and then I remember. The particular mantra that I'm using at the moment is... God is peace. This means everything to me, those words. God is peace. But I will be using a different mantra probably in a few months or a few weeks or a few days, or maybe I won't. It doesn't matter. And the reason I tell you what I'm doing is because I want you to know that I am working hard. I'm not asking you to do something that I myself am not doing. I work very, very hard. And the benefits are enormous. And the progress is far more rapid than you would ever believe. And so be encouraged. Have hope. Keep up your efforts. As I've said before, if you could only look back in time and see how many times you were ready to awake to the presence of God and instead chose to be discouraged and angry and hopeless. It's like a narcotic. This diving back in discouragement. Oh, I can't do it, and it's all hopeless, and I don't know. I just somehow I can't do it. That is simply not true. Maybe you need to change the way you are doing it to a simpler way or an easier way. But anyone can do it, and everyone will. The only question is wouldn't you like to do it now? So don't miss this opportunity that the dispensable church perhaps has given you. Perhaps it was the Course in Miracles. Perhaps it was something else. So we have three more months. Let's work hard together. Let's work very, very hard together. There is no limit to how far we can go in just three months. It will not be reflected in the size of this congregation. It will not be reflected in the average of the bank balances of this congregation. You will not grow an inch and a half in height. Your hair will not become wavy. (laughs) Nor will you throw out your glasses with the garbage. You'll forget all that nonsense and you'll walk home. And that's what you want to do. And that's what we've done a little bit together. Okay, let's close our eyes together. And let's just remind ourselves, silently and together, of one simple truth. That the truth is true.
So very gently say that to yourself. The truth is true. Go beyond a little bit. Go beyond the words. Just a little. To the fact that the truth is true. You know all the truth you need. The only thing you haven't yet admitted is that the truth is true. And so admit it deeply. Admit it. Accept it. The truth is true. Now it's true. So let's say this together in our hearts. So don't you want to join your brothers and sisters who've laid aside their egos, whose gentle presence you feel so often, those that are called the angels of heaven, the saints of heaven. Don't you wish to join that happy family that does nothing but help and help and help and leaves no one out? Don't you want to know peace and more peace and more peace? Don't you want to see all of God's children as innocent? Of course you do. So don't long for that day. Take the happy steps this day that will lead you there.